So beginning in verse 10 over there as well, we'll read down some more. Excuse me. <clears throat> I missed a couple of verses. It says, For I would that man even as myself, but every man hath his proper gift of God, one after this manner and another after that. Paul was referencing that he, did, he was not in a marriage relationship. He says, I would that, my, that every man be like myself because there is not an opportunity for, he says, for distraction. Now, ladies, I'm not saying that you guys are a distraction to us. That's not, that's not it, or we are a distraction to y'all. But Paul felt that it was a distraction for him in his service to the Lord. So he remained unmarried. It says, but every man hath his proper gift and one after another manner and another after that. I say therefore to the unmarried and the widows, it is good for them if they abide even as I. So if they're unmarried or if they're a widow, to remain single for lack of a better word. He says, but if they cannot contain it, let them marry for it is better than for them to marry than to burn. That word burn there means to lust after or desire that relationship. So moving on into verse 10 there, we'll read a few more verses down. It says, And unto the married I command them yet not, I but the Lord, let not the wife depart from her husband. But if she depart, let her remain unmarried or be reconciled to her husband. And let not the husband put away his wife. But to, to, rest, to the rest I speak, not the Lord. If any brother hath a wife that believe not, and she be pleased to dwell with him, let him not put her away. And if the woman which hath a husband that believeth not, and if he be pleased to dwell with her, let her not leave him. For the unbelieving husband is sanctified by the wife, and the unbelieving wife is sanctified by the husband. Else were you children unclean. But now you are holy. But if they, the unbelieving depart, let him depart. And if a brother or sister is not under bondage in such cases, but God hath called us to peace. For what knowest thou, O wife, whether thou shalt save thy husband? Or knowest thou, O man, whether thou shalt save thy wife? But as God hath distributed to every man, as the Lord hath called every one, so let him walk. And so ordain I, and all the churches. Is any man called being circumcised? Let him not be uncircumcised. Is any man called an uncircumcision? Let him not be circumcised. Circumcision is nothing, and uncircumcision is nothing. But the keeping of the commands of the Lord. Let every man abide in the same calling wherein he is called, and art thou called being a servant, care not for it. But if thou mayest be made free, use it rather. For he that is called in the Lord, being a servant, is the Lord's free man. Likewise also that is called, being free, is Christ's servant. Ye are brought with a price, but, ye not the, uh, but not ye the servants of men. Be ye not, excuse me. Brethren, let every man wherein he is called therein abide with God. So he begins on down there in this same passage talking about Divorce. We understand that divorce has been around for quite some time. And <clears throat> mind you, I know that some of this is a difficult topic amongst brothers and sisters in Christ today and varying ideas or belief. But what we have here in the scripture paints a pretty, in, pretty important picture for us. 
He's talking about the proper relationship of a husband and wife. And he talks about divorce if it does happen. So he says there um, in Mark, let's go to Mark 10 and 1. Mark 10 and 1. 10 and 1. <clears throat> it says, And he arose from, the, uh, from thence and come unto the coast of Judea. Did I turn the right place? I think I did. Okay, here we go. Farther than the side of Jordan, and the people resort unto him again. And as he was wont, he taught them again. And the Pharisees came to him and asked him, Is it lawful for a man to put away his wife? Tempting him. And he answered and said to them, What did Moses command you? And they said, Moses suffered to write a bill of divorcement and put her away. And Jesus answered and said unto them, For the hardness of your heart, he wrote you this precept. But from the beginning of the creation, God made them male and female. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife, and, they tw and the twain shall be one flesh, so that they are no more two twain but one flesh. What therefore God hath joined together, let no man put asunder. And in the house his disciples again questioned him of the same matter. And he said unto them, Whosoever shall put away his wife and marry another committed to adultery against her. And if a woman shall put away her husband and be married to another, she committeth adultery. So he addresses the same situation here, um, explicitly mentioning the divorce act that Moses, the divorce decree that Moses wrote. And what did he tell him? The Pharisee said, did Moses not write this divorce decree? And he says, what was Jesus' response? The hardness of your heart, he wrote you this precept. Well, we know what the hardness of, of our heart is. We saw that demonstrated in the text talking about Pharaoh hardening his heart towards the Lord. But nonetheless, he allowed Moses to write the Moses wrote the decree because they desired the decree of divorcement. So the purpose wasn't that the the legality of divorce, but it was rather the context of marriage. The Lord didn't desire that that, that the two parties that come together to make one mutual agreement part ways. That's not the function of the, Lord's, of the Lord's work. But nonetheless, it does happen. And I will say this, that this is not, this is not for me to, to judge according to the scriptures. It's not for me to judge those situations. The Lord does those things himself. But it is a responsibility for us to be familiar with the scripture and what it does say about divorce and what it does say about marriage. I encourage you all to read this and study this yourself. Let's look at uh, Deuteronomy chapter 24. Using these particular places as just merely building a context for the subject matter today. Deuteronomy 24. Twenty-four. 
verse one there. It says, when a man hath taken a wife and married her, and it come to pass that she find no favor in his eyes, because he hath found some uncleanliness in her, then let her write, let him write her a bill of divorcement and give it into her hand and send her out of his house. And when she is departed out of his house, she may go and be another man's wife. And if latter the husband hate her and write her a bill of divorcement and giveth it to her hand and sendeth her out of his house, or the latter husband die, which took her to be his husband, her former husband, which sent her away, may not take her again to be his wife. After that, she is defiled, and it is abomination before the Lord, and then thou shalt not cause the land to sin, which the Lord thy God giveth thee for an inheritance. When a man hath taken a new wife, he shall not go out to war, neither shall he be charged with any business, but he shall be free at home one year, and shall cheer up his wife, which he hath taken. No man shall take the, the nether of the upper millstone to pledge, for he hath taken a man's life to pledge. I won't read any more there. So here we're talking about the laws regard to, uh, to marriage and divorcement. So he says there, if a man and a woman uh, divorce because of some unclean reason, based on my understanding of this particular passage here, if uncleanliness meant that there was something not right in the, in the marriage there, that there was some kind of adultery or fornication committed beforehand. Um, but then he goes on and says if he put if he sends her on her way and she marries another man and he take her and he dies, then she cannot be rejoined to the former husband. So it's just the law expressing there what what was going on between the marriage and divorcement there and, and under the Old Testament law. Let's go back over to Matthew chapter five. I know a lot of flipping and turning this morning. Matthew chapter 5 and verse 27. <clears throat> verse 27 of Matthew chapter 5, it says, You have heard that it is said to, uh, by them of old time, Thou shalt not commit adultery. But I say unto you that whomsoever looketh on a woman to lust after her, hath committed adultery with her already in his heart. And if thy right eye offend thee, pluck it out and cast it from thee, for it is profitable for thee that one of thy members should perish, and not that thy whole body should be cast into hell. And if thy right hand offend thee, cut it off and cast it off from thee, for it is profitable for thee that one of thy members should perish, that the whole body should not be cast into hell. Says then it has been said, Whosoever shall put away his wife, let him give her a writ of divorcement. And I say unto you that whosoever shall put away his wife, save, saving for them the cause of fornication, causeth them to commit adultery. And with whomsoever shall marry her, that is divorced, committeth adultery. Again, you have heard that I have been uh, that has been said of them of old times that thou shalt not forswear thyself, but shall perform it unto the Lord thine oath. <coughs> read a little farther. <clears throat> so let's, this mentioning here in Matthew chapter five, he again mentions here the teachings on divorce and the teachings regarding fornication. He says, whosoever looketh on a woman to lust after her hath committed adultery 
and her that already in his heart. Then he proceeds to talk about plucking out the eye or the hand that offends. And that is so to avoid temptation. But then he specifically mentions divorce again. He says, whosoever shall put away his wife, let him give her a writ of divorcement. But I say unto you that whosoever shall put away his wife, saving for the cause of fornication, causeth her to commit adultery. And whosoever shall marry her, that is divorce, committeth adultery. So again, that's what this is just regard to what the Lord was speaking on divorce. It's not the words of Brother Tyler or any other brother, but it's the words of the Lord here. That's not speaking to the cause of any other thing. I, I can't judge that, neither can, neither can any of us, but what the Lord says. So it's reported for us to, to read this and understand it and study it. <clears throat> it is my desire and my responsibility to present the word of God and to, to see what the scripture says concerning these matters. And it will help us understand what we're reading over here in 1 Corinthians. Let's look at 1 Peter as well, chapter 3. 1 Peter and chapter 3. And verse 1. It says, Likewise, ye husbands, be su uh, subject to your own husbands, that it any obey not the word, that they also may without the word be won by the conversation of the wife. While they behold your chaste conversation coupled with fear, whose adorning let it be known, uh, let it be that outward adorning of the plating of hair, of the wearing of gold, or the putting on of apparel, but let it be the hidden man of the heart, in which... Is not corruptible, even the ornament of the weak and the quiet spirit, which is in the sight of God of a great price. For after this matter, in the old times, the holy women also who trusted in God adorned themselves being in subject unto their own husbands. Even as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, whose daughters ye are as long as ye do well and are not afraid with any amazement. Likewise, ye husbands dwell with them according to the knowledge giving honor unto the wife and as a weaker vessel and as being heirs together with the grace of life that your prayers be not hindered. So again, he's talking about marriage. He says, likewise, wives be subject to your husbands. But he also talks a little bit about the men in the same fashion. He says there, while they, they behold your chaste conversation coupled with fear, says, if your husband obey not the word, they also may without, without the word be won by the conversation of the wife. So those that have spouses that are not in the faith, it's a difficult thing. But still continuing to live your life as the Lord had patterned it, that you might be able to deliver your spouse through the through our, coupled with our fear of the Lord. Whose adorning let it not be without the outward. So it's talking about the outward um, dress and the outward apparel. But he says it should be the hidden person. The one that's not seen. He says, 
But let it be the hidden man of the heart and and that which is not corruptible, even the ornament of the weak and quiet spirit, which is inside of God at great price. For after this manner in old times, the holy women also who trusted in God adorned themselves being subject unto their own husbands. It references Sarah and Abraham. I don't think there's not one occasion where I I read uh, regarding Sarah and Abraham that Sarah disobeyed or Sarah disobeyed God or Sarah done anything to, to, uh, for lack of a better word, throw her husband underneath the bus. But through her faith and her quiet spirit and her devotion to the Lord, she maintained help for her husband and was an example. I think it's a wonderful thing that she's mentioned here. It says, likewise, ye husbands. So now he's addressing the husbands as well. Dwell with them according to the knowledge, giving honor unto thy wife, as unto the weaker vessel, as being heirs, together of grace of life, that your prayers be not hindered. So likewise, the husbands, we are to treat our wives goodly. It doesn't say we're to yell at them, scream at them, you know, talk to them like they're silly. But we should manifest the same spirit there. I believe that's what it's talking about. It says, as in the weaker vessels. It doesn't say that the women are weaker vessels. Without you ladies, we would be probably dead or, <laughs> or dying pretty quickly. Um, I, I always think about the, uh, my grandmother and my grandfather. Um, towards my grandfather, end of, end of his life, he was not able to care for himself and he was not always in good health and he wasn't always feeling well. And sometimes he said things that he wouldn't normally say. But my grandmother still endured it and she still cared for him because she loved him. And I think about that and, and because that's one of the examples that's in my mind growing up is that that's how we are to act with one another. Even sometimes it causes us great difficulty, but we still love our spouses enough to, to sacrifice our time for them and our concern for them that they, that they might be lifted up and encouraged in serving the Lord. <clears throat> so look, let's, let's look over to Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5. Verse 22. It says, Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church. And he is the Savior of our body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be subject to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. And that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of the water by the word, that he might present to it himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it would be holy and without blemish. So ought men to love their wives as their own bodies, that he that loveth his wife loveth himself. For no man ever yet hated his own flesh, but nourisheth and cherisheth it, even as the Lord the church. For we are members of this body and of his flesh and of his bone. 
For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and have joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let every one of you in particular so love his wife even as himself. And the wife see that she reverence her husband. So the instruction here in Ephesians chapter 5 was the ultimate, the ultimate point that Brother Paul was trying to make here was that the relationship there of Christ and the church. So it is that the husband, the function of a husband and wife are to follow the self-same example. And he says, their wives submitting unto your husbands as, as unto the Lord. He says, for the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is head of the church, and he is the savior of the body. But then he goes on there, talking to the, talking to the husband a little later, further down there in verse 25. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. Our duty as husbands is to love our wives and to be an example, the spiritual head of the, the, spiritual head of the household, falling after the example of Christ. My duty as a husband to Donna is to show and exemplify the same attributes that Christ had for the church. I also think that in the self-same way as parents for their children. You know, husband, wife, mother to her child is the same thing. Fostering that care and concern and love that they might continue to grow in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. But our love for one another is the key point there. Loving one another. Demonstrating the same affection that Christ had. It says that he might present himself to church glorious, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. Not, I think in terms of, I told Donna last night, in terms of our marriage, I said no marriage is perfect. Perfect in the eyes that it's without flaw. But the intent is, is that our marriage, each of our marriages is an ongoing process. As Donna and I go on each year, I learn more about Donna. And she learns more about me. And the things that we don't like, but we try to help complement each other to overcome those, those things that don't complement our marriage. And I speak about our marriage because that's the one that I know most, of, most about. And shouldn't it be our desire to, to be like Christ and how he loved the church? That's the point. Sacrificing ourselves for for the benefit of the Lord, for service of the Lord. I believe that was the intent that, that Brother Paul, not only that were there problems regarding marriage, but I believe that was the sole intent that Brother Paul was trying to point out to the church there about marriage. Let's turn back over to 1 Corinthians chapter 6 again. So he says there, <clears throat> down in verse 20 through 24 there, 
says, Let every man abide in the same calling where he is called. Art thou being uh, called being a servant? Care not for it. But if thou mayest be made free, use it rather. For he that is called in the Lord, being a servant, is the Lord's free man. Likewise also he that is called being free is Christ's servant. Ye are bought with a price, but ye, the servants of men, brethren, let every man wherein he is called, therein abide with God. So in whatever situation they were in, he was talking about remain there. You're married and remain married. If you're unmarried, remain unmarried. If you feel that, that compelled to do so. But the point was, is the, he mentions there is freedom in Christ. That freedom that we've mentioned previously. We chose to serve the Lord. Let us follow after those examples that he's given us. That's the point. Marriage is a covenant. Let's continue on there. We have about five more minutes and then I'll be done. (laughs) Verse 25 there, it says, Now concerning virgins, I have no commandment of the Lord, yet I give my judgment as one that hath obtained mercy to the Lord, of the Lord to be faithful. I suppose, therefore, that it is good for the present distress, I say, that it is good for a man so to be. Art thou bond, bound unto a wife? Seek not to be loosed. Art thou loosed from a wife? Seek not a wife. But if thou marry, and thou hast not sinned, and if a virgin marry, she hath not sinned, nevertheless such shall have trouble in the flesh. but I spare you. But this I say, brethren, the time is short. It remaineth that both they that have wives be as though they had had none. And they that weep as though they had not wept, and they rejoice as though they had rejoiced not, and they that buy as though they had possessed not. And they that use this world as not abusing it, for the fashion of this world passeth away. But I would say to you, have a, without carefulness, he that is unmarried careth for the things of the Lord and how he may please the Lord. But he that is married careth for the things that are of this world and how he may please his wife. There is a difference also between a wife and a virgin. The unmarried woman careth for the things of the Lord, and she may be holy, both in body and spirit. But she that is married careth for the things of the world and how she may please her husband. And thus I speak for your, uh, for your own profit, not that I may cause a snare upon you, but for that which is comely, and that they may attend unto the Lord without distraction. But if any man think that he behaveth himself uncomely towards his virgin, and if he passeth the flower of her age, he not require, let him do what he will. He sinneth not, and let them marry. Nevertheless, he that standeth steadfast in his heart, having no necessity, but hath power over his own will, and hath so decreed in his heart that he will keep his virgin, doeth well. So that he that giveth her in marriage doeth well, but he that giveth her not in marriage doeth better. The wife is bound by the law as long as her husband liveth, but if the husband be dead, she is at liberty to be married to whom she will, only in the Lord. But she is happier if she so abides, and after my judgment, I think also that I have the Spirit of God. So, just what we mentioned earlier, if you're married, stay married. If you're not, then not. Paul's purpose and intention there 
was for the encouragement of the church here at Corinth. He knew that in this particular state, he was not married. And he was just addressing each in their own state for, their, for the purpose of encouraging them. He says there in verse 30, I believe it's 32, he says, but if I would that you have without carefulness, he that is married careth for the things of the, that belong to the not married, it's, that careth for the things of this uh, that belong to the Lord, how may he please the Lord? But he that is married careth for the things of the world and how he may please his wife. He's not saying it's bad to be married. He's saying that there's an opportunity for distraction from serving the Lord. You know, we're, we become concerned about the pleasing of our spouse, but not to make that as an opportunity where it covers up our service to the Lord. Our service to the Lord is always number one. Anything else comes after that. Boy, is that a hard thing for us to learn. Sometimes I think throughout the week, man, if I could just make Donna smile. <laughs> not that she's not smiling. Don't take that. <laughs> and the same thing for her with me. But it, it, for it not to be a distraction from our service to God is what he's, he's speaking on there. And the same thing regarding those that are not married. Speaking of a virgin there. Not letting those desires cause you to lose sight of serving the Lord. So what it amounts to in our service to the Lord is that we remain focused on Him. Not letting the relationships of this world cloud our spiritual relationship with the Lord but that it, we remain focused on serving the Lord. The intent of a spouse is to encourage each other in serving the Lord. Same it is as when we come together here, that we encourage one another to serve the Lord. But the intent is not to distract us from serving the Lord by whatever various reason. I know this has been a very, very complex and difficult passage of Scripture. It is one that often causes a lot of disputing amongst brethren. But it's good nonetheless to read the word of God and to, and to study it and to understand it. And I hope that you gain some encouragement from this this morning. Uh, any questions or comments before we dismiss? If not, we'll all stand. Thank you for your kind attention this morning. I'm glad to have everyone here this morning that can make it. We miss those that aren't here. Don't forget services again tonight at 5 o'clock um, for those that can make it. If not, I hope everybody has a great week. And uh, Brother Wayne, would you mind dismissing us in a word of prayer, please, brother? Our Heavenly Father.